Welcome to episode 169 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. We are a part of the Dorkening Network, and my name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And I am here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor with my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. We just celebrated our 10th friggin' anniversary on Friday the 13th. Ladies and gentlemen, she is the real housewife of Transylvania. She is the mistress of Merlot. She is the Michael Phelps of wine and the queen of the monsters. It's Ashes Von Nightmare. I'm hungry. I am too. We're going to get big sandwiches later. I'm on vacation. Well, technically vacation starts as soon as this recording is done. <laughs> yeah, but we were, we were on, we've been on vacation for a few days, so. It hasn't really felt like vacation, though. No, because we've been running around like maniacs. Like, we did do a couple of cool things. We did. We uh, We got tattoos. We went on Friday. We uh, went to Route 38 Studios. Um, That's they, in Tewksbury, Massachusetts. Right on Route 38, funnily enough. Wow. And uh, they were doing their 13 and $31 tattoos. So if you got a $13 tattoo, there was a mandatory $7 tip. If you did the $31 tattoos, a mandatory $9 tip. So either way, you're getting you know decent amount of uh, of ink for you know a very affordable price. And... We got there about nine forty-five ish, and got oh, even earlier than that. It was about it was about thirty. It was between nine thirty and nine forty-five. Yeah, yeah. So we got there and we we got in line. We had our lawn chairs. I had you know my phone. I was reading, uh, been reading the Kane Hodder to Helen Beck. No, I'm sorry, to Helen Beck is the documentary Behind the Mask by Michael Alo- Aloisi, both of whom will be at Rock and Shock this year. That's really cool. Um. So I was reading that, but after a while, I, I realized we were going to be in line for a while. So I figured our plan leading into the day, we're like, okay, we'll go, we'll get our tattoos, come home, we'll grab something to eat, we'll take a nap, then we're going to go to this vineyard, and then we're going to go get sushi, and then we're going to go to bed. Like, that's going to be our full day. So around 2 o'clock, we're like, oh, I don't know if we're going we're gonna to get to the sandwich store and get our lunch. I'm like, we're certainly not going to be able to take a nap. We waited in line until about 5.30. There were that many people. Um, and by the time we got up there, it took about seven minutes each for, for our tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty much for every minute that we were tattooed, we spent like an hour in line. Yeah, that's about right. It was crazy. It was not what I was expecting. And we had gotten there early, so the tattoo place didn't open until 11. So we thought we were being smart by getting there early. And there There's was about a, 100 people ahead there, of us. Yeah, already. And no, granted, it took us over an hour to get there. So, you know, that on top of like we had been awake for a while we were kind of smart in the sense that we brought chairs and we brought, you know, stuff to drink and stuff to do, but I didn't think we were going to be out there that long. So I didn't bring sunscreen. It didn't, even, did cro- I. It didn't even cross my mind. So no, we I figured got, we'd be there two o'clock. We we'd be done. got toasted. Oh my God. I am so burnt right now. <laughs> yeah, I am too. And you know, there's a, a history of skin cancer in my family. So I was, a little concerned but after a while we kind of got around the side of the building and we were in the shade and oh it was great there were it wasn't so much the sun that was bad it was the people around us holy shit it was definitely friday the 13th and there was definitely a full moon because (laughs) the uh there were some interesting people who who came out um yeah it was the height of just too muchery 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, oh, God. And after, you know, like when you're listening to someone and you know that what they're saying is wrong, but you don't want to like get into it and just start like, because one of the, one of the tattoos was a set of paw prints and like the main paw part, like where the, the palm would be, for lack of a better term, was like a heart. It was really cute. Yeah. And this one person kept saying, yeah, those are bear paws. Those are bear paws. Those are bear paws. And I'm going to get them because I have a Bruins tattoo. And, and they were just going on and on about like all the different connections they have to bears. And then I, I turned to Ashes. I said, bears don't have retractable claws. If anything, those are cat paws. Because if they were bear, bear prints, they would have the claw marks. They just had the four toes and like the palm. Like, so those are cat prints because cats have retractable claws. That's how if you're out in the woods and you see tracks, if you see claw marks, it's a dog or canine. You know, it could be a wolf or, or somebody walking their dog. But if there aren't any claw prints, then it's a big cat. That's how you can tell the difference. Bears don't have retractable claws. So bears would have claw prints. And she just kept saying it over and over and over and over. And at one point. The sub- somehow the subject got into music and as you guys know we are big fans of motionless and white and this young lady was like oh yeah yeah the lead singer of motionless and white used to be the lead singer of of uh black veil brides and and he's married to megan massacre and finally ash and i were like no none of that is true none of that is true you know those people who think they know everything but in reality absolutely no they they know nothing like that was this yeah he's on the news every fucking day and uh yeah so anyways um some very colorful people in line uh but i mean was it worth it i mean we did get some really rad tattoos so patsy got i got bart i got a horror bart simpson with no pupils like he's trapped in the deadlights and I got Tina Belcher because she is a smart, strong, sensual woman. But She's no hero. She put her bra. She puts her bra on one boob at a time, just like everyone else. Yeah, it was it was interesting. And then the 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 group behind us. I don't have an ID. I have my birth certificate. Do you think they'll take my birth certificate? I wonder if they'll take my birth certificate because all I have is my yeah. birth certificate. So Do you think I'll take a- my again, birth certificate? some really colorful, interesting people. Maybe in, something to in take into consideration prior to standing in but line anyways, for four hours. So, so yeah, so we did not anticipate having to spend eight hours in line outside waiting just to get this tattoo. Uh, so would I do it again? Absolutely not. Am I glad I did it? I mean, I get to I get to cross this off my bucket list. You know, yeah, we've been, this was we've been, we've been talking, talking about, about doing you know Friday the Thirteenth flash tattoos for for a while. So you know, we have the day off from work. We're like, hey, what the hell? Let's go. Now, I will say, uh, would I go back to this place? Absolutely. Oh yeah, I, I would. I would definitely. Uh, and we're actually talking to one of the artists, the artist who did our tattoos, Dean Fitzgerald, um, who was very excited to do your Bart Simpson. And yeah, he well, sent me a message earlier today about potentially doing a Simpson sleeve, and I said I'm very interested. Not only that, they uh, bought pizza, and they we're did, handing out pizza yeah, when, so, around you know, five o'clock. Again, uh, a lot of people didn't anticipate having to stand in line so long, so a lot of people didn't come prepared you know like i said we had we had chairs we had water we had coffee we didn't bring food because we didn't think we were going to we be moved there fairly quickly and some of the so, people were going across there were a couple of restaurants in the 7-eleven directly across the street so people were going back and forth but like i didn't want to get anything to drink because i already had to pee and i had yeah. no idea when we were gonna get in 
course, had we thought about it, they were letting people in to like go use the bathroom. They weren't like, no, stay outside. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, they they actually bought pizza for the people inside the shop, so that was that was really nice. Yeah, them. the owner was handling. Well, also, stuff they out. didn't want people. You know, some people had been standing outside all day. They hadn't eaten anything. They didn't want people passing out while getting their tattoos. So yeah, because it was hey, a warm day. Eat a piece of pizza. You know, make sure you drink something and keep yourself healthy and alert enough to get the tattoo but um yeah would definitely go back there uh just not for friday the 13th flash tattoos yeah i don't apparently like the people who got in there first had been there since before seven o'clock in the morning yeah so they were so you they were, were waiting for four hours regardless right. yeah like they were there f- at least four hours before the shop even opened so that's just crazy yeah so it was a long wait you know either way and you know, I, yeah, I, I don't think I would do that. You know, it's not an indictment against this shop. They did a good job, but, you know, it's, you know, these were just quick little tattoos. Like I said, it took seven minutes each to do ours. You know, um, they came out great, but it takes almost as much time to sterilize the area because you have to sterilize every single time. Like, you know, even between uh, Ashes and I, they, you know, our, our artist, sterilized the whole area you know wrapped everything up got everything ready you know prepped the station you know exactly what you're supposed to do and they had let's see so our artist he had Dean. done what 45 i think we i think we were 46 and 47 yeah. for him um tattoos for the day and they had let's see four or five other artists in there as well yeah, there were uh there's one in the back, one next to us and two yeah, I think there was four or five artists, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and he looked he looked tired. So, if like... he had done 40 and the other the other people had done around the same, I think the the young lady next to us said she did like 37, 38. Mm-hmm. So, you're looking at close to 200 tattoos. So, like by the time we got in there, 200 tattoos had been done. And there was still... Some people got multiple. Right. Some people... I think one girl got uh, seven of them. They posted her on their Instagram. She got oh, yeah, seven, seven different flash tattoos, uh, which is awesome. We saw the one girl walking crazy. out that had the Jack head, the Sally head, and zero. Yeah, that was that was forearm. really cute. That was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, and there was still a crazy line after us when we left the shop. It was wrapped well. around the building. Yeah, it was. It was. So... And people were talking about their friends, like, "Oh, my friend's going to come in after six. It's like <laughs> I wouldn't. Apparently, last year when they did this, they tattooed like the last people to get tattooed entered the shop at four thirty. Yeah, the um, shop assistant, the shopkeep. I, I don't know the proper the, term. The um, girl behind the counter. Uh, she said she didn't leave until seven o'clock that morning yeah, the so next morning like that's crazy like i i admire their determination like and wanting hours. to do that but that is that's a long day that is 20 crazy hours. uh so yeah so if you're ever interested in getting a flash tattoo like definitely uh i mean if if you really want it enough go definitely go do it but be prepared bring sunscreen and you had an umbrella too but i didn't even like i forgot i had an umbrella in my bag because that would have helped yeah oh yeah absolutely i I, yeah so anyways long story short we got tattoos and they were great um we also went to the game of thrones experience oh yeah it was really really good there's something about 
I mean, I was a little disappointed that it wasn't Ramin Javadi like it was last year, and it wasn't as big and grandiose as the well, DCU this, Center this because a, it's not as big right. as Right. They're doing an amphitheater series, so it's not the full-on um, stadium series that they did last year where they had the opportunity to build up the stage and do these crazy pyrotechnics and... Um, you know, really utilize the space. They just didn't have that much space to work but with. But they to maximized with. it. But exactly. Like, they really worked with the space that they had, and they did an amazing job. There was still some pyro. They did a couple of things um, that I thought they weren't going to be able to do. I was like, uh, there's this one instance where the violinist is playing. She's doing this solo, and it's absolutely beautiful, and she's wearing this, like, really crazy dress and then all of a sudden she just gets lifted up into the air um and her dress sorry cat just fell off the top of the chair and into your back hello cat uh zombie likes to say hi so hello zombie um (laughs) you want to say hi um i don't think that got cut so anyways uh she's suspended and her dress is is pretty much like the length of the stage and there's it's about like flower, 40, 50 feet up. Yeah, like there's flower petals falling down, and it's just it's gorgeous. It's such a really cool and effective effect. Like like it's just it's so beautiful. And she's sitting up there and she's playing her violin, and it's just it's it's breathtaking. Like it's, it's no so big beautiful. thing. Oh, I'm sixty yeah. <laughs> feet suspended in the air. It's, just, <laughs> it's beautiful. So I didn't know if they were going to be able to do that, and they were, and that was really cool to see. Um, yeah, it was, and obviously, so they played stuff, a lot of uh, what we heard already uh, from seasons one through seven when we went last year, but they did obviously added on a bunch of stuff from season eight mm-hmm. as well, and there's something about, you know, hearing the music live and then seeing the, the cut scenes, um, I don't know, it's just, it's it's a really, it's cool, it's like, it's a so viscerally cool. emotional thing, like, when they started playing the opening theme, like that was the first thing and the last thing that they played. When they opened up with that, it's like you just you get this emotion, and it almost feels like you know, you know, you're just like, oh, this is so amazing. It's it's hard to uh, it's hard to describe and it's hard to kind of articulate, but it was just it it's visceral and it's emotional and it makes you feel awesome. And it's like we're getting ready to. She's like. I kind of want to watch the whole series again. Like it's that good. Like as much as we rag on the the final season and how much we didn't like the direction that some of the uh, storylines well, took. And what's crazy is seeing the final season presented like that. So, like I said, there's a lot of there's you know, they do music from certain scenes and then they do montages of things as well. So, seeing the the best parts of season eight you know in the in the different montages you it, it makes season 8 look really good yeah it's like they cut the trailer to to look good you know they had the battle of winterfell they had you know obviously they played some of the classics you know the reigns of castermere they had the uh, no, no 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 you can't hit the microphone <laughs> the reigns of castermere the light of the seven which is always just fantastic and they have uh you know they're the traveling people that you know, the violinist, the vocalist, the cellist. And then they have, you know, the conductor, obviously. But then they have, you know, at each stop, an orchestra and a choir that come. Yeah, they use and, local people, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and um, they accentuate everything uh, and just make it better. 
So we've been getting into character questions. Sorry, I have a cat on my lap right now. Yeah, she's being weird. She wants to say hi. She keeps coming up to the microphone, but she won't say anything. So she thank you. Thank you for taking her. Um She doesn't want to talk. <laughs> no, she's she's she's, she's being, being antisocial. Um so we have a getting into character question for today because today we are talking about Rambo, John J. Rambo from the Rambo series uh, in anticipation of the upcoming Rambo film. Yeah, Rambo Last Blood. Last Blood. But is it really Last Blood? I think he's going to die in this movie. You think so? Oh, yeah. He got fucked up in the trailer. So uh, anyways, our getting into character question, because Rambo is, uh, the, the, the films are very much action films. We want to know what are some of your favorite action films? See, for me, you know, I grew up watching Rambo and like, we used to have like the, the, the Rambo marathon. Cause the third one came out in 1988 it was like 82, 85. It was always very, very political. And I remember when Rambo came out in 2008, and I was very excited because Lionsgate was putting it out, and Lionsgate tends to put out like some brutal, like graphic stuff. They're the ones who put out all the Saw films. So I don't. I I, I really liked that one. Obviously, The Warriors is a great action movie. Uh, Terminator. You know, there's a lot of different franchises. Mad Max was a lot of fun because of all the car stunts, and especially the re-release. I'm not the re-release, but the uh, Kind of reimagining the one that came out with uh, Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron. That was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's it's hard to just pick one. But yeah, those were some of the ones I grew up with that, you know, I still have all the movies and I really enjoy watching them. So how about you? So one of my favorites, and, and don't rag on me for this, I just think this film is really fun. It came out in uh, like the late 90s, early 2000s. Triple X with Vin Diesel. Yeah, I I hadn't seen the first twenty nine, so I didn't know if I was going to get this one. Um. Ha, oh. Oh, that's a joke. Oh, but funny. Ha. Um. Funny. But yeah, I really. I don't know why. I just. I just liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I watched it. I haven't seen it in a few years, but when it first came out, like my friends and I, we used to watch it all the time. It was on one of the cable stations played a, Probably a TBS lot. Probably TBS or TNT um, or something. One of those or like FX or somebody played it like constantly. So I found, my, found myself watching it a lot. I also really liked Die Hard. Die Hard's really good. Like the first one, the first Die Hard with Hans Gruber. I really like Hans Gruber. I almost a great... said Hans Solo. <laughs> Hans Solo. You know, with, with Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah. Um, we have the he, same birthday. I think that Hans Gruber is a great character. And for me, like, he kind of really, he really made that film. But there are some great one-liners and some great scenes. And Reginald Vell Johnson and obviously Bruce Willis. It's just a great cast. But there's some really good action sequences, too. And I just really, for some reason, I, I find it funny that Bruce Willis is, like, he, he's not wearing shoes for most of the film. And I, I don't know, that just that just makes me laugh. He's like a hobbit. <laughs> yeah, it came out, Triple uh, X came out in 2002. Um, and I really, really, really enjoyed True Lies. Oh, yeah, I made you watch that when we were first dating. Yes, yeah, I hadn't seen it, and you made me watch it, and you were like, it's Ar Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Arnold, 
and Jamie Lee Curtis. And, and a young and Eliza I, Dushku. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. And I th- I mean, it's just... Oh, and she so looks phenomenal fun. in that film. Well, I mean, like, she looks the phenomenal. The striptease scene, though? Anyways, but oh my god, that's hilarious. Like, that scene is so funny. When she falls um, off the, yeah. the thing. <laughs> And gets up and tries yeah, to be all but cool I think the whole it. like premise of it, it's just it's so funny. And again, the two of them had really good chemistry. And speaking of um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Kindergarten Cop. That was fun <laughs> when he throws the ferret at the guy. <laughs> like I don't know, I, I feel like I like action movies that have more of a comedic vibe. To oh, them. Or, or at least something else going on aside from just being an action film, like. I love kaiju movies, but, you know, they have, like, big monsters in them, and the monsters are doing stuff, and the people are doing stuff. and Yeah. You know, so I feel like I, I like action films that have something else going on versus just being just, like, Explosion, action. like Michael Bay explosion fests. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, like, there's a, there's a time and place for everything, and mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, there are people who like just, like, nonstop big dumb action films um i just you know if those types of films are a little bit harder for me to get into i need i need more more of a story maybe a little more character development some something else going on aside from like we're just gonna kill everyone and blow shit up so yeah i mean there's there's that i mean when i was a kid that's what I liked that, watching. That, that was an explosion. Yeah, kablamo. Um, but yeah, now I like a little more substance to my to my movies. But I mean, there are times that I do enjoy just the. Explosion well, like I said, there's fest. a there's a time and a place for everything, and you know, sometimes if you want to just not have to think about something, you, I just you just want to be entertained. You know, you don't want to have to sit there and and analyze or digest a film. You just want to be fed something that's easy on the palate. Then you know I could see why one of these action films would. would... Well, I find that action films require more of a suspension of disbelief than anything else. You know, like in uh, Commando with um, Schwarzenegger and Ray Don Chung and uh, young Alyssa Milano when he's fighting the bad guy at the end, and he throws a pipe at the bad guy hard enough for it to impale him, go through him into another pipe, and vent steam out of it. And he's like, let off some steam. Yeah, but uh, I feel like a lot of times, too, things are, the the writer's come up with these like anecdotes and they're like okay this would be really funny how can we make this happen i mean some of them are like like last action hero really makes fun of all this like when he just walks up to the cop and he's like do you want to be a farmer he has a couple of acres and he kicks him in the balls (laughs) yeah i get it yeah so it's (laughs) do yourself a favor and watch that that's a highly underrated film i mean it's schwarzenegger Anthony Quinn, Charles fucking dance. Like it's amazing. Uh, I definitely, uh, and, um, holy shit. I'm blanking on the guy's name. Tom Noonan, I think is in that as like the main bad guy. Tom Noonan was, uh, Frankenstein's monster in the monster squad. Oh, okay. I may be wrong about that. So, uh, what we'll do is I'll, I'll check on that, uh, during break. And uh, when we come back, we will be talking about Rambo and uh, kind of focusing the discussion more on who he is and how the character changed over the uh, the trilogy of films into the fourth film and now into the fifth. So we will be right back. 
Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. We all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. (laughs) With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award-nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors, and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. You don't seem to want to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert in guerrilla warfare. With a man who's the best. With guns, with knives, with his bare hands. A man who's been trained to ignore pain. Ignore weather. To live off the land. To eat things and to make a bully goat puke. In Vietnam, his job was to dispose of enemy personnel. To kill. Period. Win by attrition. Well, Rambo was the best. We are back. So, like we were saying, we were, uh, it is Tom Noonan who is like the bad guy in that movie. Just throwing that out there. I, I remember that now. Hooray, you were correct. Yes. You get a gold star. So, or like maybe, maybe a gold shark. A gold, gold shark. Gold shark stickers. Gold shark tooth. Oh, we should have some made up and we give, should them give them to people, to people when they're do good doozers. Like you've been a good doozer, you get a gold shark. Yeah, sticker. Hooray! So, when we sat down the other day for you to watch First Blood for the first time, now I'd seen it a bunch of times, and obviously there is some uh, there is a preconceived notion that you had when you watched this movie. So, when we first sat down, what were you expecting from First Blood Part One? Okay, so. I think I mentioned last episode that my first real exposure to Rambo was in the green jelly music video for the three little pigs. Um, there's a, it's all claymation. It's really well done, but there's a, I we posted I, it in the group in case you missed it. Um, there's a scene where like the, the, the pigs call nine one one and they send Rambo to help the pigs defeat the big bad wolf and it's very much the uh oh god what, what uh, like the caricature yes. of, of john rambo that everyone thinks of when they think of of rambo you know it's sylvester stallone with the messy hair with the the, the red bandana yeah the red bandana he's got the you know the 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 catalog is that what it's called the the, the bandolier it, 
is that all the the bullet bandolier things? bandolier catalog. i don't know like the catalog no it's it's things. a bandolier okay well he's wearing the the he's wearing the bullets in a very fashionable fashion uh bullet you know sash. he's he's greased up he's topless his muscles are bulging he's you know armed scars with huge guns yeah he's got the scars he's you know big boots pants um you know just 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 with, with the the typical like sylvester Stallone, caricature like, of of testosterone yeah but you know and he's just sitting there with his his upper lip slightly curled just going like Murr. yeah the one side and, of his face that right moves. but you know yeah. uh, in you know the, the sylvester stallone way just like the um but anyways that's what that's what i thought about you know just just and i thought that it was going to be just a big dumb action film which i feel like that's kind of what the franchise goes towards mm-hmm. especially in the second film and onward but in the first film that's not what happened and i feel like i need to call up sylvester stallone and issue him an apology be like mr stallone i'm so sorry that i didn't give your film the opportunity that i should have you know to watching it and and giving it the the time of day earlier because it was not what I was expecting at all. And I here I am thinking that he's just this big, dumb action star. You know, I I haven't seen any of the Rocky movies. But again... Oh, you will. But again, um, you know, there's this, this caricature that you think of when you think of Rocky as well. And I have a feeling that I, I'm going to be wrong about these films as, as the same way I was, I was wrong about this Rambo film. Um, there were some scenes that I was not expecting. I was not expecting the acting capacity that Sylvester Stallone has. And I was not expecting to feel the emotions that I felt during those scenes. And like I said, I feel like I need to call up Sylvester Stallone and, and apologize and be like, dude, I'm so sorry. You, I, I wrote you off. You know, I, 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 I judged you. I, Put you in this category, you know, just the, the the big dumb action star, meathead type, and and he's he's not that at all. Like especially in the first film, that that's not it at all. See, in the in the first film, so the first film, First Blood, is based off the 1972 novel of the same name by David Morell. Morell, Morell, I don't know, M O R R E L L, Morell, Morell, either way. Um. And it details the, you know, um, the encounters that former Green Beret, um, Vietnam veteran John J. Rambo has with, you know, this feud that he has with Sheriff Will Teasel. So the movie opens um, with Rambo kind of, you know, in a in a drifter type role where he's got his big army duffel bag with him and he's just walking down a highway and he goes to this house and he's looking for his old friend who was in the same platoon as him. And you know, what this film did was really highlight the horrors of war. Once everybody came back home, because there were so many people who protested the Vietnam war because, you know, we never should have been there and protested the people that were there because we didn't win. And, you know, all these countless lives lost and it was, you know, all for nothing. But no one ever thought to think about 
who these soldiers were, who these, you know, military veterans were. And speaking from kind of like a personal uh, perspective, my two uncles on my mom's side, they were actually in Vietnam. And my mom said that, you know, they, they were sent over, they came back and they were not the same. They were not the people they were when they came back as when they went over there and they wouldn't talk about it. They never mentioned a single word as to what happened over there. They, you know, brought back some stuff. I actually have a really nice pin, um, that, one of my uncle Dave brought back from my mom and um, my uncle Bill brought, you know, back some, some fabric and stuff for her. Uh, but aside from that, like they, they've never said anything. Yeah. And that's kind of what, you know, this whole first film is about. And, and like my uncle Bill, like I've actually, I never met him because Shortly after that, he went off the grid. He kind mm-hmm. of became a recluse. He moved to upstate Washington and just completely secluded himself from, you know, and, and his family lived in, in Massachusetts. So he completely secluded himself from, from everything. And he passed a few years ago and uh, a couple of family members had some minimal contact with him when he wanted the contact. But that was it. Like my mom hadn't had any contact with him in decades. Because that's just, that's, that's, and, and, you know, there's some speculation that, you know, there was some, some PTSD issues and, you know, and again, it's all speculation because he never spoke about it, but, but this film like really brought to light the, the, the hardship and the trauma that they experienced. But, but it's not so much, you know, what they experienced over there, but. Right, it's, that's bring, that's yeah, what I'm bring, trying to get to. Bringing it back home and trying to reacclimate. Right, like you know, there, there, he's, you know, the opening scene. He's there. He's trying to visit his friend, and you know, one of the the things that the government did was drop Agent Orange everywhere, and it was this carcinogen that you know ended up killing his friend. You know, we're talking about how big and burly his friend was, and how he's like, oh, here's a picture of us, and we had to put him in the back because you know he was so big and the the woman that he that Rambo was speaking to, I don't know if it was his wife or relative. It, they don't really get into it in the in the film. She's like, oh yeah, you know, all that all that orange stuff that they sprayed over there. She goes, by the you know towards the end, I could lift him up off the sheet because he the cancer ate him right down to the bone. And so now Rambo's like, the only connection that he had, you know, this was the last member of his platoon that was still alive. So he's like, you know, I'm sorry for your loss and just and leaves because you know so now he's devastated and what happened so often with you know anybody in you know this wasn't just vietnam but world war one world war two korea every every war every skirmish that we've gotten into there was a, a condition that everybody knew about but nobody talked about it started off being called shell shock and then it went to operational exhaustion then battle fatigue and then post-traumatic stress disorder. It's the same. It's the same thing every time, but they kept changing what it was as you know they understood more about it. But still, like these guys would, you know, and, and there's a whole scene where Rambo breaks down and he's explaining to his his colonel because they send the colonel in after him because he has 
what can only be described as a, a psychotic break when he gets arrested for vagrancy and they're trying to, you know, like they, they're very abusive, the police in this town. And, you know, they, they spray him down with a hose. You know, one of the guys is hitting him with a billy club over and over again. And then it's time to shave him. But that's bringing back memories of when he was in a POW camp in Vietnam. And he just snaps, fights everyone off, gets out of the, uh, the, the police station and goes up into the mountain and just tries to get away from everybody. And he just resorts back to his training. They come after him. He sets up a bunch of traps. Non-lethal. Could have killed all of them. Doesn't. And tells them just like, leave me alone. And of course they don't because you're you're a police officer. You're this guy because of the situation he was put in ended up you know assaulting a bunch of police officers and stuff. But he never should have been arrested in the first place. Right. But he kept saying he's like, this is not my fault. Like, and you know, people died as a result. But you know, he's like, these deaths are not on me. Like, this is not my fault. You know, and it's well, not. I'm gonna, he I'm gonna just, get to that. You know, he uh, he just wanted to be left alone. And if the officer, the uh, initial. Teasel. Brian Dennehy's the, character. The sheriff, I guess. Will the, Teasel, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if he had just left him alone in the first place, you know, none of this would have happened. Yeah, because but... he was hassling him because of how he looked. And he's like, because Rambo's like, hey, is there any any place I can I can eat around here? And Teasel goes, yeah, there's a diner about 30 miles up the road. And he goes, is there a law against me eating something here? And he goes, yeah, me. People don't want your kind around here. You know, again, the the stigma of coming back from the war you know he's essentially homeless you know he might do odd jobs here and there and when they bring in his former commander uh sam troutman played by uh richard crenna he even tells him he's like defuse the whole situation defuse him let him go we'll pick him up like a week from now working at a car wash in seattle or something there'll be no fight no, you know, loss of life, no injury, nothing. Everything will be fine. Because this movie, again, you know, when you think of Rambo, you think, you know, explosions and, and bullets and guns and, and and shooting and death. The first death of this movie occurs when Rambo's trying to evade the police that come up into the woods chasing after him. And the guy that was uh, beating him with the club and harassing him and getting great joy from harassing and beating him. Uh, I forget the actor's name, but the character's name is Art Galt is shooting at him, despite Will saying, don't shoot, st- cease fire, don't shoot. He even tried shooting at Rambo when Rambo first escaped, and Will told him, stop, don't shoot, and he had to knock the gun up out of his hand because there was a crowd of people in the street, and the guy was just firing at him. So Rambo leaps off this cliff, you know, falls through, you know, uh, a bunch of branches on a on a pine tree, you know, gets jacked up on the way down, and the guy, you know... Art Galt is shooting at him from a helicopter. He undoes his safety belt and he's trying to shoot. And uh, even the helicopter pilot's like, what are you doing? We're, we're, we're told not to do this. And he turns to the pilot and says, if you don't fly this thing straight or you don't keep this thing straight, I'll kill you myself. So it's like this guy had some sort of vendetta against Rambo for whatever reason. So Rambo just wants to be left alone, throws a rock, hits the the windshield of the helicopter and when the helicopter pilot reacts and kind of like swerves to one side, Galt falls out. But that was his own fault because he was hanging out of it, shooting when he shouldn't be shooting. 
and he had undone his safety belt. So Rambo doesn't really, I don't think he should, uh, that should count against him. But later on in the movie, when he steals a, uh, a military truck and runs a car off the road into another car and that car explodes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he killed three people there. So that one I count because people are like, oh, he, won't, he doesn't even kill anybody in this movie. I'm pretty sure those guys died because there was a huge exploding fireball. But he doesn't even kill Will Teasel. He has a chance, but Richard Crenna shows up and you know, as uh, Sam Troutman. And they go through this whole long thing, and Rambo just breaks down. And he starts talking about a friend of his who died in Vietnam because of a, a, uh, a wired shoeshine box. They had a little kid. Because this is what happened a lot in that war. Like There was so much of, of this guerrilla warfare. You know, and this was a story that, you know, you'd hear over and over again, where a little kid would come in and he had like a shoe shine box or something. The box was wired. There was a grenade in it. So you open up the box and it explodes. So the little kid would die in addition to whoever the people were. In this case, it was, you know, you know, a bunch of soldiers at a bar. So it's this non-conventional warfare that, you know, this stuff ends up being deemed uh, war crimes that eventually, but. You know, he's telling the story about how his his friend died and like, you know, his intestines and his guts are all hanging out and there's just like pieces of him everywhere. And he's holding his friend and like these are the things that haunt his dreams and his nightmares and he can't get it out of his head no matter what he does. And there was no, you know, therapy. There was no, you know, anything to help these guys when they came back from the war. And anybody who was suffering from these types of of PTSD type of uh, um, symptoms, it was viewed as weakness. Well, you just weren't strong enough. You couldn't deal with it. Well, I went over there and I didn't have a problem. And this film really brings that to light where it's like, oh, look at this guy, you know, muscular, you know, badass, you know, super soldier type guy. If he can deal with it and he can have these problems and it can affect him in this way. What's wrong, you know, what's wrong with someone else looking for help for the problems that they have? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not what you think of when you think of Rambo. But then we get to the second movie. Now, in the book, I know I do this all the time and I sound like that fucking guy. But in the book, in the book, Rambo commits suicide. And there was even a, an ending that was, uh, that was shot and tested on audiences where he forces uh, Troutman to shoot him, and he dies. Which, of course, there would be no sequels. But <clears throat> they they changed it, obviously, because they, you know, Stallone at this point was a star. He'd already done Rocky. He'd already done Rocky Two. He had done this. Rocky Three was a year away. Rocky Four was only a couple years away. And so they made Rambo Two, which Stallone has said that he it is his least favorite of the four that he's made so far, obviously not counting last blood because it felt like a cartoon in the movie. They talk about Rambo's uh, stats during the war. He had 59 confirmed kills. And that's through the entire time he was in the Vietnam war in this movie over, you know, I say a weekend, but for most of it, he's, trapped and being tortured so essentially in one day he kills 74 people 
See, and that was, that's the Rambo that I was expecting. That's the caricature of Sylvester Stallone as Rambo that I was, I was expecting. But like, you know, like I said, with the first film, it was completely out of, out of left field for me. You know, I was pleasantly surprised. But I mean, there were a couple of scenes in the second one where he says, you know, uh, a couple of his um, dialogues that oh, especially still at the end. captured the essence of the first film. So you still got a little bit of that character development and character growth and, and still got to see who John Rambo was, despite him just completely massacring people for the entire film. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, him going nuts with huge, high-powered weapons. And but again, this sent a a a real political message, like the first one did. Like there was an actual message behind it. This one was Rambo's supposed to go in. He's serving time in a federal uh, prison. I think he was in Leavenworth, you know, doing the stereotypical breaking big rocks into little rocks. And he is offered this choice if he goes back into Vietnam to you know scout out some areas where there are you know there's supposed to be uh, POW camps. He goes in, takes some pictures, does some recon. Uh, he'll get his sentence commuted and a full presidential pardon. So he's like, okay, I'll do that. So he goes in and he's supposed to just take pictures and he goes, and there's not supposed to be anybody at this camp. Like, that's the whole thing. Brian Dennehy's character is a fucking scumbag. There's not supposed to be anybody in there. So it's just supposed to be to, to placate Congress and to placate the people at home. Go in take pictures of this empty camp. There's nobody there. Come back. See, there's no, there's no POWs, you know, sorry, we looked into it. We tried. Oh, well, but he finds people there and he tries to rescue one meets up at the rendezvous point, And they're like, Nope, leave them there. Don't rescue them. Don't get the, the, the POW. Let them both stay there. And so that's what fuels his, you know, vengeance where he, you know, he's being tortured by the Russians. Cause of course it's the Russians. It's, you know, 1985. It's always the Russians. And so he goes on this, you know, murderous rampage, kills almost a hundred people, rescues all the POWs, goes back. But at the time, in reality, in real life, this is what was going on. There was a guy who was trying on his own because no one would, you know, assist him. He was trying with some other people to locate the POWs. Because there were 2,500 POWs still waiting to be rescued. In that no one knew what their, their fate was. Were they alive? Were they, were they dead? Were they being held somewhere? Nobody knew. And so this was a, a political commentary. Rambo 3 is the same type of thing. But we skipped Rambo 3 because uh, of time constraints. But the, the line that you were referring to, the line at the end of the movie... Where he says, you know, uh, Richard Crenna's character, uh, Troutman, says, you know, I hope you don't hate your country. And Rambo turns to him and says, hate it. I love it. I would die for it. So he's like, well, what, do you, what is it that you want? And he goes, I want what they want. What every guy who went over here and spilled his guts and gave everything he had wants. For our, our country to love us as much as we love it. That's what I want. I had chills. And when they played this ending to a test audience of Vietnam veterans, it got a standing ovation because that's literally what they wanted. Like Rambo was literally speaking for them at that point. So 
yeah, it's a big, dumb action movie, but there's some political leanings to it and an actual message. So we skip number three, which again, it's the Russians, but this time he's helping the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. And so they go from, and that, that one was ridiculous too. When he grabbed the guy through, uh, threw the uh, cable around his neck, dropped him down the hole, but first stuffed a grenade in him and then exploded him. Like, it was over the top. There's a video I'm going to post of somebody that goes into, like, really in-depth detail as to, like, how he, how the character changed over these films. But that's for another time. So we watched the fourth one. And the fourth one's put out by Lionsgate. And this is really where you get to the bloody, you know, uh, over-the-top gore and violence, you know, limb-ripping, um, sexual assault, all this stuff. And while the blood and gore may have been gratuitous, it also shed light on what is actually happening. You know, talking about this the civil war in Burma that has been going on for 68 years, you know, and showing, how, like, young men in a village being taken and forced into an army. You know, which happens all the time, all over the world. Um, you know, villages being destroyed. You know, everything. Just the savagery of some of these these uh, militarized forces doing whatever they can to keep power. That's what the message of this movie was. Obviously, you know, a handful of mercenaries is not going to take down an entire armed force. You know, which is the suspension of disbelief part, but. Ashes, when you watch this, when we watched it, uh, we watched it last night, actually. Going into this, what were you expecting, having seen First Blood 1 and 2? So, I thought it was probably going to be, knowing that it came out in 2008, and knowing that Sylvester Stallone is no spring chicken at this point. um, You know, uh, I expected it to be more along the lines of the second one, maybe not as hard maybe not as you know action filled boy was i wrong because there's a hell of a lot of action and everyone has told me that the fourth one is is the bloodiest and they were they were not lying it definitely is uh again some some scenes were spectacular some scenes were too much very very gratuitous um but i got the uh idea um Rambo, if you go to John Rambo and ask ask him for help, he will not turn you down. Like, is that is that correct? Like, is that well? They turned him down. He turned them down because he didn't want to do this. But there was just something but about then, but then Julie he, Benz's character, right? But but he ended up helping them, right? Like he, he he hesitated, but he ended up helping them. And is that part of his character? Is that like he has a code of honor, but it's not like this is really the first time that's been. Uh, explored like the first time was himself. The second time was Vietnam vets. Like he's like, okay, I can help these guys out. These are my brothers. I can, if I can help somebody, help them, then I'm going to do what I can. The third one, he turned the mission down, so Troutman went in and Troutman got captured. So it was him going to save Troutman. So those are all very personal connections. Yeah, so he didn't have any type of personal connection to this mission at all. He killed uh, 83 people in this movie. I mean, he had a hell of a machine gun at one point, though. That was a 50 cal machine gun. 
Yeah, so I'm looking at this uh, Rambo kill counts. Uh, let's see, number of bad guys killed by Rambo with a shirt on or with a shirt off. <laughs> well, there's a big oh, distinction. Uh, let's see, in part he two. His, he, he wasn't really shirtless in the fourth film. No, but in part two, he had tw- he killed 12 guys with a shirt on, 46 with a shirt off. Uh, so this, uh, this seems inaccurate because it's it's giving him a kill count of 58 and it's a lot higher than that in the second so it goes according to this day this is flowingdata.com uh one in first blood 58 in part two 78 in part three and 83 in part four for a grand total let's see 59 83 142 uh, 220 people over four movies. See, I think the fourth film kind of shows that, you know, it, it never leaves you. Being a soldier, especially in these, like, special forces, um, learning what you've learned, dealing with what you've dealt with, it never it never leaves you. Like, you never unlearn those, those things. You never, um, you can never, like unpack everything fully you know you always take some of it with you and i think that's what i got out of that film there wasn't a lot of character development in it it you know there was a decent story for the most part um julie benz was great yes uh i think she's very underrated as an actress but, she's great in dexter if you're um if you're wondering why that name sounds familiar to you she's also really great in jawbreaker just saying that's a really fun movie but anyways uh, uh one second i i found the official rambo wikipedia oh oh okay okay There's so a wikipedia for everything this is um in first blood he has one and they do say it is unknown if Will Teasel died from his injuries at the hands of Rambo's M60 or if there were any police officers killed in the car chase with Rambo's commandeered National Guard truck. Likely both cases sustained injuries but made it out alive. So First Blood is one. They count Art Galt. Uh, part two, 75. Part three, 115. Part four, 254. Plus his 59 Vietnam confirmed kills, grand total of 504. Now, they have a specific criteria. Rambo must be the one who causes the death. The death must be confirmed with video evidence. Rambo must cause certain death, not just serious injury. The death must occur in the movies. Kills from video games or comics are not included. And they break it down every single one. Like, you know, Rambo pulls out his knife and throws it, stabbing the soldier in the lung. Rambo fires the arrow into the soldier's chest. Rambo fires the arrow into that soldier's forehead, like over and over and over. So it's this one's a lot more comprehensive. So yeah, it fifty nine confirmed kills in all of Vietnam, the entire Vietnam War, fifty nine confirmed kills, and then he ends up with four hundred and forty five outside of that. So, and each one of those movies takes place over about a day, maybe two. 100 148 take the first one out 150 people a day that's that's, that's excessively brutal that's that's a lot um one of the things i did like in the fourth film is it appears that john rambo had never gone home when he came back from vietnam he never went 
after he yeah in part oh. two because they catch they catch up with him in like thailand or something and he's you know the opening scene is him uh in a stick fighting match against a, another local and like they're working on a, a, a buddhist temple like they're restoring it and that's what he's doing uh so yeah he never went back to Bowie, arizona and uh julie ben's character was her name sarah i think uh asked sim like about that you know pretty much i'm paraphrasing here but saying you can always go home and it's just i don't know if he was ashamed to go home if he was embarrassed like well there was nothing left for him right but like that's the thing like but at the same time like he didn't know think of how he was treated when he came back right Right, yeah, there's that. So, so like, all of the um, first film, like, that's why... But I really enjoyed the ending of the fourth one, because it shows him going up, you know, going back to Arizona, and you see him stumble upon this this mailbox that says R. Rambo on it, and he just kind of smiles as he walks towards the, the farm that is attached to this yeah, it's his, mailbox. It's his, it's it's his, 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 his family, yeah, it's his yeah. family's farm. And you know, so I'm. I don't know if they're gonna touch base on that in. The, well, he lives on uh, the farm in the in okay. the upcoming movie. Okay, so I haven't really seen any much like in the way of, of trailers and stuff. But yeah, he he lives on the ranch, like it's you know him and his niece. So. Okay, but I just I liked that. It just kind of sends that message that regardless of how long you've been away, you can always go home. Yeah, that's a that's a positive message. Like you know, that's the. <sighs> It's nice. It's almost like a full circle thing. And had they ended it there, like that would have been a fitting ending to the franchise. Yes. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's because he's popular. Maybe it's because, you know, the success that he had with Creed and Creed 2. Like he was nominated, Creed and Creed 2, I believe he was nominated for a Golden Globe in the first one. Um, and, a, and an Oscar. He, he won the won. Golden Globe yeah. and was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in the second one. So when, you know, like you were saying earlier about your, you know, apologies to to Sylvester Stallone, like if you haven't seen the original Rambo, you know, First Blood, if you haven't seen Rocky One, you don't know what a good fucking actor he is. Like Rocky Rocky got nominations for everyone in the movie, everybody for acting across the board. It was nominated for Best Picture. He won, I believe, for Best uh, for Writing because he wrote it. He directed it. He wrote all of the uh, Rocky movies, I think, except for part six or five. And then he wrote six. But like that was his. He wrote and directed those. So like people don't realize that that was his first thing was he was a, a he was a screenwriter like and he was really really good and you know we'll get into it when we talk about Rocky but there's some behind the scenes stuff that of a couple of scenes that he was very insistent that they try to get these scenes in but he had such a low budget like they were like all right you have one shot at it you know which we hear a lot about a lot of these movies it's like oh and that's such an iconic scene and when we get to to rocky we'll we'll touch on that but yeah this character you know really what and it's funny because 
the second movie was supposed to be like a buddy comedy. Like they were going to have like a tech guy or like a wisecracking guy who was supposed to be played by John fucking Travolta, who was originally in discussions to play Rambo. Like first blood, they were going to cast John Travolta. Like Why? they had a similar look back then, you know, the big poofy hair. Well, yeah, but I mean, but like I can't imagine, like, hey man, like they drew first blood, not me, you know. Like, oh my god, I'm gonna blow up your town, Sheriff Teasel. Oh, look at this. Oh, I'm covered in rats. This it's ain't gonna, no fun. As he breaks out into a song and dance routine. Hey, look at me. You thought I was dead, but I'm staying alive. <laughs> oh. But I spent too much time in this mud and stuff. I think I might have Saturday night fever. Oh my god! So it was also really nice of Sylvester Stallone to give his brother a job too. Oh, Frank Stallone yes. doing the theme song. Yeah. <laughs> well, Stallone himself put out an album uh, many years ago. No. Yeah. Really? A lot of guys did. A lot of people were putting out albums at the time. Uh, what's his name? Bruce Willis put out a blues album. Uh, I had Eddie Murphy's tape. Um, yeah, so a lot of these guys were putting out albums. Yeah, so that was our, our uh, Rambo discussion. And, you know, obviously there's, we touched on a lot of it, but there's a lot of stuff that you know, we kind of glossed over, you know, for the sake of time. So I think with that being said, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, um, we'll wrap things up and, let you know what's coming down the pipeline and uh all right well and enjoy these commercials do you have a craving for creatures a thirst for thrills and a hunger for horror then you need to gorge yourself on the gore of rock and shock that's right, Worcester's annual horror convention, Rock and Shock, comes for you from the DCU Center in Worcester, Massachusetts on October eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth. Featuring the ladies of Evil Dead, Betsy Baker, Ellen Sandweiss, and Teresa Tilly, Ray Wise, and Sherilyn Fenn of Twin Peaks, Jason Voorhees himself, Kane Harder, John Dugan and Ed Neal of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and making his first appearance, the legendary Bruce Campbell. Hail to the king, baby. Go to rockandshock.com for the full list as new guests are added all the time. Rock and Shock. Be there and be scared. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Hi, I'm Dominic Pace, star of Sci-Fi Channel's Megalodon. This is Emma. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. Hey guys, this is James Thomas, director of Megalodon. Hi guys, this is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. And you're listening to Patsy the Angry Nerd and Ashes Von Nightmare. And you're listening to the Throwdown Thursday podcast. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. We're dealing with an expert with guns. 
knives with his bare hands. Rambo was the best. I finally came home. Uncle John! To defend the only family I've ever known. You must really want this girl. We are back. So I hope you enjoyed that discussion about Rambo. I hope maybe you learned some things, especially about the kill counts, which are just off the fucking chain. Like it's ridiculous how like each one has to outdo itself, but still tells a story like it's it's weird. Uh, I am looking forward to this one. It looks really, really interesting. It looks like he's getting back more to his roots, like from the first one, you know, uh, setting up traps and things like that. Um, I'm very, very interested in seeing what happens. I do think he dies at the end of the film or, or something. Cause the man's in his seventies. Well, you're not, you're not expecting Rambo last blood part two. Yeah. Last blood two, even last year. Um, no, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but, uh, but yeah, if you have any thoughts or, or uh, you know, maybe I messed something up, let me know. You know, shoot us a message. Um, Ashes, what do we got? What do we got going on? So we have a lot of stuff coming up on October 5th. We are going to be at the Halloween happenings party at Platinum City Gaming. That is in Taunton, Massachusetts. That is uh, from 7 p.m. to midnight. There's a $10 cover. It's being put on by BMG Events. And uh, there's there's like the costume contest and a bunch of other spooky stuff. So we're going to be there. It's going to be a good time. We're also going to be at rock and shock October 11th, 12th and 13th. That is at the DCU center in Worcester. We will be there all weekend with our brothers and sisters in the dorkening, uh, as well as a bunch of other people, just the horror community in general, right? Some crazy, crazy guests. The biggest one, Bruce Campbell. I'm so excited for, um, it's it's gonna be a great time i'm so. hoping we get to host a panel or two like that would be really cool we'll see yeah we'll we'll see but anyways so definitely come hang out with us for that uh rhode island comic-con is november 1st 2nd and 3rd that is at the dunkin donuts center and rhode island and convention the center. Con- yeah the convention center down in rhode uh providence rhode island we will be there also with the dorkening and uh Newly announced Richard Dreyfus is going to be there. Oh yeah, we are totally. Which we are pictures. so excited. So yep. um if you if you don't think that Patsy's gonna dress as a shark and I'm going to uh resurrect my quint costume from last Halloween, you if are you mistaken. Don't know us very well. Because we are. We're gonna do it. We're gonna compare scars with Richard Dreyfus. Oh yeah. Zombie is climbing on ashes right now. I don't know. Now she's licking her, licking her arm. She's such a weirdo. Podcasting with Catman. Podcasting. 
You know? Hello. All right. So what um, else we got coming up? So What's right we, after that? So right after that, I'm sorry, the cat's giving me a bath. Um, after that, we have the Dead of Autumn Horror Fest. That is also at Platinum City Gaming in Taunton, Massachusetts. That is November 9th. We will give you more information on that soon. If you have a short, a horror short or a film that you would like to uh, have shown at the Horror Festival, definitely get in touch with us. We know the right people and can point you in the right direction. We also have Super Mega Fest, November 16th and 17th. That is at the Sheridan in Framingham, Massachusetts. Uh, we will be there again with the Dorkening Network. A crazy, crazy, crazy slew of guests have been announced, including. Carmen Electra and Edward Furlong was just announced, which I think is pretty cool. Butch Patrick is going to be there. Cast of got, the Warriors. Yeah, I was going to say the, the cast 40th of the anniversary. Warriors. Um, so a lot of really cool, cool stuff coming up. So we're going to be really busy. We hope to see you there. Come, come hang out with us. Yeah, and uh, I think that's it for November. I don't know. Then it's like. Thanksgiving and Black Friday, and then it's December. And then I just, I, I'm, I need, I need a nap. I need a nap. I'm hungry. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to give an extra week for the, uh, yeah. So, our recording schedule, results. because we are getting ready to go on vacation for a couple of days, our recording schedule is a little wonky. So, we haven't actually posted the battle yet. So, uh, you will get the battle results next episode when we introduce the new battle. So yes. it'll be just a super battle-tastic episode. Yeah, so many battles, battle-rific. lots of battles. Battle-rific. Um, battle-tastic. It'll be a Tweedle-Beetle-Paddle-Battle. So, what? Tweedle-Beetle-Paddle-Battle. What is that from? Uh, walk It In My Pocket, I think. There's a walk-in in my pocket? It's something Dr. Seuss. I don't know. But anyways, with that being said, we, we will, will see you next Thursday. Thursday. Please enjoy the Rambo theme song. It's a long road when you're on your own and it hurts when They tear your dreams apart And every